Good morning. It's uh, nice to be uh, speaking in a morning service. It's amazing what you have to do to the senior pastor to uh, get a Guernsey. Um, we're actually, Jonathan introduced a, a, the series last week on faith, um, and we're going to look at these men of faith. Um, but with, uh, with an afternoon's notice, we're not looking at men of faith today. We're not going to look at Abraham, which is what um, John I was doing. So this is a little bit of a break. Well, have you ever met someone once and then made a, a personal opinion of that individual, uh, of what they are like, just based on the first time you met them? Now, you met them once, the first time, and after that short meeting, the short conversation, uh, you think you've kind of got them sorted and you put them in a little box and you go, this is how that person operates. And later on, they shock you. So, you know, so-and-so, and they like playing footy. So they're like, they're a jock or a sporty person or whatever. Um, so-and-so, on, so-and-so over here, they like computers. So they're like a, a computer person. Whatever they are. <laughs> I don't know what the word is. You might think of one. <laughs> oh, that's terrible. That's shocking. Then after a while, you, um, you get to know them a bit more, you speak to them again, you learn more and more about them, and all of a sudden, you realise they can't fit in your little box anymore. You know, they're completely, they're more than that. They're so much more than who you thought they were. Well, when I went to uh, Papua New Guinea for a year and a half, um, before I left, I was told I was going there and there was going to be a couple of um, Melbourne grammar students doing a gap year. So they'd finish year 12 and then they'd go to... Papua New Guinea and help out the school and, um, and then go back and start whatever they're going to do after, after school. And uh, I remember hearing this for the first time and I grew up in Alexandra and went to a state school, you know, state school, it's so good. And I think I had a few issues against private schools. And uh, when I heard that there were going to be two Melbourne grammar students there, I thought, oh, they're going to be so like kind of Posh, nice, you know, yes, Melbourne grammar kind of person, if you like. And, and I, uh, I had some issues, obviously, at the time. But I just thought, how am I going to spend time with these Melbourne grammar students? Well, I, I got to know them. I put them in a little box, and then the more I got to know them, the more I just went, you don't fit in this box. And still, like, about five, six years later, one of those guys is a really, really good friend of mine. The question I want to ask us all here today is, have you put Jesus in a box? You know, have you heard a, a few things about Jesus or have you heard a whole bunch of stuff about Jesus? But is, is he in a little box? Is he in a little box? We're going to look at uh, a small section in the Gospel of Mark this morning and the passage tackles the issue of putting Jesus in a box and not having a big enough picture of who he really is. So if you've got your Bibles with you, I'd encourage you to turn to Mark chapter 4, verses 35 to 41. Mark chapter 4, verses 35 to 41. There is no Abraham. There is no Abraham in this passage. Okay, let's read. It says, Jesus calms the storm. That day when evening came, He said to his disciples, Let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. 
A furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him up and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. So Jesus has been teaching the people on the edge of Lake Galilee. He's been teaching them in parables about the kingdom of God. But it's now evening and it's time to move on. So he says to his disciples, let's go to the other side of the lake. So Jesus and the disciples, they get in the boat and they begin to travel across to the other side. But all of a sudden, sometime in their journey, something starts to go terribly wrong. And it's in this terrible situation that we learn that the disciples have a limited view of Jesus. We see that the disciples have got Jesus in a little box. So from verse 37, a furious squall comes up. The waves break over the boat so it's nearly swamped. Jesus is in a stern sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said, Teacher, uh, they said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? Now here the scene is set. A little boat full of the disciples and Jesus. Waves crashing over into the boat and the boat and, and its occupants nearly swamped. We can picture the the panic in the eyes of the people in the boat. The commotion is they would have been trying to paddle the boat into the right direction of the waves so that the the boat wouldn't be tipped over. You can imagine them maybe um, furiously bailing out water out of the boat to keep it afloat. You know, the commotion, the energy, the stress um, as all this is happening. Now, it's obvious to them that they're about to die or they're about to be thrown into the water and, and whatever. This is a tight spot, a moment when things are not looking that good and we read that Jesus is asleep on a cushion. How can Jesus be sleeping on a cushion at a moment like this? They're thinking, we're going to die and Jesus is sleeping. Don't you care if we drown? Now, I wonder what they're actually expecting of Jesus to do in this situation. Did they think that Jesus, when they woke him up, that he would be this amazing paddler? No, he'd like grab the oars. And he'd just like, just power them back to the shoreline. Maybe it was that. He was going to be an amazing paddler. Did they think that he was going to have an amazing bailing technique with stamina and just kind of bail the boat out so that they'll be all right? What were they thinking he was going to do? Now, I don't think that they were expecting Jesus to do what he was fully capable of doing. What he was capable of doing as the Son of God, they'd placed him in a little box. Now, I spent, uh, like I said at the start, time in PNG. You know, I remember several times when I asked God um, for something, for help. And I can remember this occasion when I'd been feeling um, terribly homesick and it was almost like I couldn't function, I couldn't work in my role as a teacher there while I felt so burdened by the homesickness. And I remember asking God to take it away. But I think that um, within me, I was, I was praying to him, but I was kind of thinking that what could God possibly do in this situation? What could Jesus do? 
later on, uh, he, he did some amazing things. But how about, how is it for you? Do you suffer a similar um, limited view of Jesus at times? Have you placed him in a little box so that when you ask Jesus for help, really deep down in your heart, you're praying to a Jesus who is powerless to actually really intervene in your life? You know, you ask God to help you and you talk to him, but maybe in your mind you think that, oh, what could, what could he possibly do? What could he possibly do? He's like, in a sense, a, a mute counsellor. And you go to them, you tell them what's going on, and they just, just nod their head like this. Is that your view of what Jesus can do for you? Like nothing. I wonder if that is you, if, if it's me sometimes. Do we have a limited view of Jesus? Well, I want to keep reading, and, and let's get ready to have our little boxes blown apart. Let's have our limited view of Jesus kind of exploded, if you like. Please look back at verse 39. It says, Jesus got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. Jesus doesn't grab the oar and start paddling. He doesn't grab something to bail water out with. He switches off the weather. That's a good outcome, I'd say. But in so doing, Jesus proves who he really is. Can you imagine what these disciples would have been thinking? What has just happened to them? They've been in a raging storm, and all of a sudden Jesus stands up and he commands the weather to kind of be still, the waves to be still, the wind to stop. He's got power and authority over nature. He controls nature. Could you, can you imagine the panic-stricken Peter? Jesus, you don't even care if we drown. You know, wake up, what are you doing? And then he causes a dead calm. Like the contrast would be amazing. See, Jesus is no mere teacher. He's the son of God. He's got power and authority over nature, over his world. That's who Jesus really is. What do you think about that? It's pretty hard to fully comprehend this kind of miracle. And I think, to be honest, sometimes our Western thinking will kind of um, lean to a, a position of doubt or not fully believing it could happen. But let me encourage us to hear what Mark is saying. We really want to try and get our heads around the power and authority of Jesus. Try and imagine that kind of power. The next time there's a big storm, imagine if Jesus was there, he just commanded to stop and it did. Or imagine he just commands it to rain and it does. Let me tell you something more about Jesus. Not only has he the power and authority over nature, we learn great stuff from this passage in Colossians 1.15. It says, he is the image of the invisible God. He is the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible, invisible, whether thrones or powers or rules or authorities. All the things were created by him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. This is an image of a great Jesus. 
through Jesus, the Son of God, the world can continue to exist. He holds it together. Remove Jesus and the world wouldn't exist. It would cease to exist. It makes perfect sense that Jesus has power and authority over nature, over his world. You see, this is amazing, really amazing, but it's the reality as well. Is this how big your understanding of Jesus is? You know, when you pray, if, if you pray, is this how big the Jesus is you're praying to? When you read about him, is this who you're actually reading about? When you're seeking to tell people about this Jesus, is it this Jesus you're telling them about? He proves who he is. He's the son of God. He's got power and authority over nature. Let's continue. He then says, uh, he said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? And they were terrified and asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Here we see the response to Jesus. We see the response to his power and authority. They were fearful. They were terrified. I might have thought they'd respond differently. Why the fear? And I think for the disciples, every day with Jesus would have been a a mind-blowing experience. Every day they would have witnessed Jesus do something amazing, something miraculous that they would never have seen before. And so every day they have to kind of rejig the dimensions of their little box they put Jesus in. You know, last week it was healing. You know, the box gets a bit bigger. This morning it was this divine, authoritative preaching. The box gets even bigger. And just now, it's power over nature. Let's get rid of the box. He doesn't fit in the box. Jesus is amazing. He's the son of God. They were terrified because their minds just can't fathom, can't fathom the greatness, the power, the authority of Jesus. And they exclaim, who is this Jesus? Their response is terror. And Jesus asked two relatively simple questions at this point. He says, why are you so afraid? And he says, do you still have no faith? Well, why are we so afraid? It's pretty obvious. It's got control and power over nature. From the disciples' point of view, they're justified for their fear and amazement. But from Jesus' perspective, from his perspective, he's saying, if you believed in who I really am, the Son of God, you would understand I can do this. I have the power and authority to do this. So he asks them, do you still have no faith? Do, your, do you, your hearts and minds, not fully understand who I am? So Jesus is encouraging them to see, to understand, to remove him from the box, to take the box away, that he's the Son of God and to have faith in this one. And he wants the same for us. He wants us to um, follow and live for the real Jesus, not the one we may have constructed in our minds and placed in a little box. So how do we do this? How do we gain an understanding of the real Jesus? Because if I think if I was to say to, to us this morning, you know, like snap out of it, like get a real understanding. Stop having a limited picture 
of how big this Jesus, of, of a limited picture of who Jesus really is. Stop putting him in the box. I don't think we'd be able to do it. I don't think um, we have the power to do this by ourselves. I say it again. I don't think you by yourself, me by myself, have the power to fully get who Jesus is. Jesus is God. Do you think you can understand that? If you want to begin to understand who Jesus really is, we need help. Not just any help, but help from God himself. Want to know about God? Ask God for help. And he's provided us with his help. So in John 16, we read that uh, Jesus talking with his disciples. He said, I have much to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. So God has provided us uh, with the Holy Spirit to guide us into all the truth, a helper from God to help us here on earth. Now, the Holy Spirit helps believers in a whole lot of different ways, but now, just for now, let's just recognise and focus on the fact that the Holy Spirit will help us understand who the real Jesus is. And we also know that the Holy Spirit, the prime way he will show us and tell us is with his word. So the word's described as the sword of the Spirit. So if you want to know who Jesus is more, you get into the word and the Holy Spirit kind of like carves out for you an understanding of who he is. You need to ask for help. Does anyone here like? Asking for help. Do you actually like that? I'm sure uh, most of us here love it, don't we? Love it. Always, you know, like don't want to work it out by ourselves. Don't really like our independence. Like to be dependent on other people. Great, great. This is good. I'm a shocker. I'm a shocker. I am fiercely independent at times and want to work it out for myself. Just ask my dad. Um, As a kid... My dad uh, would often tell me something to do on the farm. He'd say, go and do that over there, Phil. But he'd then kind of follow it up with this great explanation of how I was supposed to do it. And I would, like, not want to hear him. I would just try and ignore him with every ounce of my being. It's kind of like a little child putting their fingers in their ears, kind of going, ah, no, don't tell me, don't tell me. And I'd run off and start doing it. So he wouldn't have the, pre- the pleasure, if you like, of telling his son what to do. The most humbling thing was, when I went to do it over here, I kind of went, I've got no idea what I'm supposed to do here. And I'd have to go back and go, look, Dad, can you help us out? He'd love that. He'd love it. <laughs> it's funny, though, with God, sometimes it seems like he's not the first one we'll go and ask help for, uh, help from. Or maybe we don't even ask him for help. It's like the last thing we'll do. We'll try and exhaust it with our own kind of ability And then we'll finally, the last resort, go to him. But if we want want help, if we want to understand who Jesus really is, we need his help. We need to ask him. It doesn't matter where we're at in our faith, we need his help. But why would we want to understand who Jesus really is? Why would we want to know who Jesus, this Son of God, really is? And I just want to say the answer is faith, that we would trust in Jesus. So verse 40 uh, reads, uh, Jesus says, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? 
And when Jesus talks here of faith, he's, he's questioning his disciples. And it's a question for us too. Do we believe that Jesus is who he says he is, who he demonstrates he is through his power and authority? Do you believe in this Jesus, the Son of God, and do you put your faith in this one? Do you trust in this Jesus, the one that offers forgiveness of sins, the one that offers eternal life? Do you have faith in this one? This is what he wants for us. And this faith, let me define it, it's not lip service. It's not saying, yeah, I believe, I trust, yeah, sure, I do that. Now, it certainly includes saying it with our lips, but it includes a whole lot more. Nor is faith like, a, uh, like some feel, it's like a positive thinking. You know, if you believe it in your head enough, it will come to pass kind of faith, like positive thinking. It's not that either. No, real faith, real trust, real belief is in someone. This is what Jesus is talking about with faith. It's putting your trust in something, in someone. Real faith requires that we know who Jesus is in our hearts and in our minds, that he's the son of God, and that our lives are completely given over. Our our lives are entrusted to this Jesus who is the son of God. Real faith is knowing Jesus as the son of God and trusting, trusting him. He's the son of God. We won't be disappointed if we trust in him. So have you put your faith in Jesus? Even as a believer, is your faith, is your trust in Jesus as you live daily? You know, we're all living a life, each and every one of us, and our lives are filled with many and varied responsibilities. Maybe it's working a career or you're a student Maybe you're seeking to earn enough money to get by. You're trying to enjoy your life. Maybe that's what you're trying to do in your life. You're caring for your family, looking after the kids, looking after your brothers and your sisters, maybe looking after your parents. We've all got heaps of stuff going on in our lives. But in the midst of this, where is your trust? Does the Son of God have your trust? Do you have faith in Jesus? Or is it maybe in yourself? Maybe it's in your solid work ethic. Maybe it's in your skills and abilities. Maybe it's in your family. Maybe it's in your money. Now, these things are not bad things. Family is awesome. It's great. But they don't deserve your ultimate trust. They don't deserve your um, prime faith in life. They will let you down. Real faith in Jesus will um, stand the test of time both now... And for all eternity, do you have real faith in Jesus? Do you know Jesus as the Son of God? Is your life given over to him? Because he wants us to have faith in him. I want to finish where I started. Have you got Jesus in a box? Have you got a limited picture of who Jesus is? Today I encourage us all again to seek God, to seek him first, to make him the priority in your life above all else, to ask the Holy Spirit to guide you, to guide us into uh, all the truth of who Jesus really is, to ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to us what it means for Jesus to be the Son of God 
Get rid of the box. Have it completely blown apart. And then when, he, when you know who this Jesus is, or even before you know that, put your faith in this one. Put your trust in this Jesus. Know him in your mind and your heart and live for him. Live each day for him. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we, um, we want to praise you for your son, Jesus Christ, your son who uh, stepped down from on high and uh, walked the earth to die upon a cross that we might have the way of, of uh, having our sins taken away and forgiven. And Father, your son, Jesus, is so far beyond any box we could put him in. And we just uh, even repent, Lord, of uh, assuming we know the depth and the uh, how amazing you are, Jesus. We, we repent of putting you in that box. And we pray that this morning, Lord, that by your Holy Spirit, you would just give us a, a fresh glimpse of who you are, Father God. And we pray, Lord Jesus, that as you reveal this to us, Lord, more and more each day our trust would be in you. We would live each day for you. Help us live for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.